This is day 202 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing John chapters 6 through 10. Lord Jesus, as we enter into your word today, help us to remember your sovereignty. Help us to remember your deity. Help us to remember our ownership. We are owned by you. We belong to you, our master. Lord, because we are your slaves, help us to understand that and help us to know that you've given your commands already, that we are to do them. We are to love you with an unconditional heart, with all of our being, and to obey you as a demonstration of our love for you. Help us to be that. Let's get back to the basics, Lord, because our foundation is weak so often. Help us to set our firm foundation upon you. Please bless the reading of your word in your holy name. Amen. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him, because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up, and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting into the boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea began to be stirred up, because a strong wind was blowing. Then, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. So they were willing to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. The next day, 
the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. There came also other boats from Tiberias, near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do, so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign, so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, It is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died, but he who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you, that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew, and were not walking with him any more. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, was near. Therefore his brothers said to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. 
for not even his brothers were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast, and were saying, Where is he? There was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. Some were saying, He is a good man. Others were saying, No, on the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. But when it was now the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The Jews then were astonished, saying, How has this man become learned, having never been educated? So Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one deed, and you all marvel. For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance but judge with righteous judgment. So some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, Is this not the man whom they are seeking to kill? Look, he is speaking publicly, and they are saying nothing to him. The rulers do not really know that he is the Christ, do they? However, we know where this man is from. But whenever the Christ may come, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out in the temple, teaching and saying, You both know me and know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. So they were looking to seize him, and no one laid his hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. But many of the crowd believed in him, and they were saying, When the Christ comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? 
The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. Therefore Jesus said, For a little while longer I am with you. Then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. The Jews then said to one another, Where does this man intend to go, that we will not find him? He is not intending to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, is he? What is his statement, that he said, You will seek me and will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, This certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, This is the Christ. Still others were saying, Surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd, which does not know the law, is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to him before, being one of them, said to them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? They answered him, You are not also from Galilee, are you? Search, and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. Everyone went to his home. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her.
Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone, and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. From now on, go and sin no more. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, You are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone in it, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. So they were saying to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury, as he taught in the temple, and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said again to them, I go away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, Surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they were saying to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, What have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, 
and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore you also do the things which you heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not yet even come of my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them, because you are not of God. The Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham, who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. And you have not come to know Him, but I know Him. And if I say that I do not know Him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know Him and keep His word. <laughs> 
Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me, as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, How then were your eyes opened? He answered, The man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him, since he opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. The Jews then did not believe it of him, that he had been blind and had received sight, until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight, and questioned them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. 
His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He then answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples, do you? They reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Well, here is an amazing thing, that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you teaching us? So they put him out. Jesus heard that they had put him out, and finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, We see, your sin remains. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been trying to tell them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, 
Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. A division occurred again among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, He has a demon and is insane. Why do we listen to him? Others were saying, These are not the sayings of a demon-possessed person. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? At that time, the Feast of the Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe, because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in your law, I said, You are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him, 
whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. Therefore they were seeking again to seize him, but he eluded their grasp. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was first baptizing, and he was staying there. Many came to him and were saying, While John performed no sign, yet everything John said about this man was true. Many believed in him there. Okay, this was a long reading, but man, I just did not want to stop. It was so much good stuff. If time were not an issue, I would have just kept going. But as it is, I've got stuff to do, and we have life to get back to. But it was good to read this today. I hope you see why John is my favorite, because there is so much amazing things to read from here. So let's briefly talk about a few things that stood out today, because they are definitely worth repeating. So at first we saw in John chapter 6 that it was the feeding of the 5,000, which we've seen now for the fourth time. And we've seen that he walked on the water and met the disciples in the boat. But this is one detail that was not in the other ones. It said that in verse 21, they were willing to receive him. And as soon as he got into the boat, they immediately were at the land to which they were going. It literally said, not too long before that, that they were near the center of the, the sea. And then all of a sudden they miraculously teleported to the shore. So that was a miracle right there of supernatural proportion. Not only of the calming of the sea, but also they just happened to arrive right where they were going. So that was very interesting. When we get to verse 35, we begin what is called the seven I am's. And this is the first I am. I am the bread of life. And this, at first, seemed very confusing, the way he was wording things. And they were getting really confused, too, because when he was explaining what it means for them to eat of him so that they can have eternal life, they were freaking out. Because it was almost as if, at the beginning they understood it to mean, you have to literally eat me if you want to live forever. And so they were thinking, he's asking us to commit an act of cannibalism. And this is why they said that in verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? They were not understanding what he was trying to say. They were using what he was saying as a parallel to the manna, which rained from heaven during the Exodus. But Jesus is making a distinction here that, yeah, God did make bread come out of heaven, and it did feed them, but they died. That was not the bread of life that I'm talking about. What I offer you, you will never die if you eat of this bread, which is of my body and of my blood. And they still didn't understand, and they thought it was, again, asking them to drink his blood and eat his body, and they were having a lot of trouble with it, but he clarifies with them a very important statement. I'm going to make a point here in a second. In verse 60, 
He was conscious that they were grumbling. He always can read their minds. He is God. He knows what's going on in their hearts. But he says this, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? And this is the point he's making, 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. What he's saying is that this is a completely spiritual matter. This has nothing to do with the physical. So the point I'm making is, unfortunately, there are some religious groups, even within Protestantism and especially in Catholicism, that take the word of God too literally sometimes, just like the Pharisees did. So, so often we see, for example, in the Catholic Church, they believe that when you take communion, you take of the Holy Eucharist, that you are literally eating the body and blood of Christ, as, because this was taken very literally in the Catholic Church. They believe in something called transubstantiation, which is where when they lift up the little wafer to heaven and you eat it, it miraculously turns into the body of Christ inside of you. Therefore, you are eating literally of Jesus' flesh. That's disgusting, and that's not anything like he said. That's why he said here that the flesh profits nothing. It is the Spirit who gives life. This is an act of remembrance. It is not what you are literally supposed to do. So unfortunately, there's so many parts of the Bible that people take too literally. I mean, it's as ridiculous as they believing that I am the bread of life. Was Jesus really a loaf of bread? Well, obviously not, right? That's pretty obvious. But some of this other stuff is obvious too, and yet they believe that. Do you see the circular reasoning there? So you can tell, unfortunately, that those who believe these falsehoods are believing in a religion or are part of a religious group that are not spiritual people, or at least it wasn't based on spiritual truth. You have to be very careful with this stuff, because there's so many things that we can misinterpret from the Bible, and it can lead several people astray. How many Catholics are there in the world? There's over a billion of them, and they are all deceived into believing a religion that is not true. That sounds really harsh, but that's the truth. What he is saying is spiritual, and a lot of what he says is spiritual. Sometimes it's literal, but in this case, given the context of what we're talking about, this is a spiritual matter. That's why anytime you read a piece of scripture, you always get the proper context. Because if you take one verse by itself, it may not always mean what it's supposed to mean unless you examine the verses around it. So understand the subject, understand the conditions, understand the context of a particular verse before you take it out of context. Because if we convince ourselves of the meaning of a particular verse outside of context, then we may be believing a lie. We have to be careful with that. Jesus partially explains why the world hates him in chapter 7. Like he says in verse 6, Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here. But your time is always opportune. There's always an opportunity for you to repent and to change your ways. But his time had not yet come. The hour 
Remember, that's the time when he was arrested and, and crucified. The world cannot hate you. Why? Because we belong to this world originally. But it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. He's calling out the sin of the world, and the world hates him for it. And that's part of the reason why, as Christians, we are hated, because we call out the lies and the falsehoods and the deception that's in the world, or at least we should be. That's why there's an old saying that if you're not being persecuted, you're doing something wrong, or you're doing nothing. So that's partially true. Throughout the rest of chapter 7, there are long debates and discourses that he's making about who he is and the spiritual truth of the matters, and so on and so forth. And then it continues into chapter 8. But I want you to notice something. Before we go into chapter 8, look at the end of chapter 7. They were arguing amongst themselves about Jesus. They were supposed to have arrested him by now, and they didn't. Why didn't you bring him? They said. Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. And then they were mocking each other. You have not also been led astray, have you? And then you see in verse 50, Nicodemus is there. The very same guy who was there in chapter 3, who went to Jesus at night, is there defending Jesus. He says, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? And then they mock him as well. You're not also from Galilee, are you? And they're doing that to mock Jesus' background, because they think that he was born in Galilee when the scripture says that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. But there were people alive at this time who knew that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and they witnessed angels, remember? But yet, those people, I guess, were not around, or they didn't believe them. Now, if you notice, the very last verse of chapter 7 is in brackets, all the way through verse 11 of chapter 8. So, this story was not in the original Gospel of John, but it was added, likely, later. Now, that doesn't mean that this story is not true, but all it's saying is that John originally probably didn't have this in his Gospel. So, if you don't like this story, or you don't think it's Gospel truth, or you don't think it belongs in the Bible for any reason then go ahead and move past it, but this completely is cohesive with the narrative of Christ. So, take it for what it's worth, but the writers of this particular translation have made you aware, at least in mind, because it's in brackets. Then in verse 12, we see the second I am. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And then they go on a long debate about what Jesus is actually saying. Saying that he can't testify about himself, and he's saying, no, I'm not testifying about myself. God, the Father, is testifying with me. In your law, it says that two men who testify, their testimony is true. So I am testifying about myself, and the Father is also testifying. So those two make it true. And then they are not understanding Jesus, or they're just trying to argue with him because he's saying, where is your father? And he's like, you don't know who he is. If you knew him, you would know me. That You don't know the God that you claim to serve. 
Then he goes very specific here in verse 21. I go away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Wow, that's pretty severe. Where I am going, you cannot come. I'm going to heaven. You all are not going with me. I mean, that's pretty severe. There's a lot in here to examine, so I'm not going to go through it all the way, but it talks about the nature of Satan, talks about what it means to be a true disciple of Christ, as well as what does it mean for Jesus to make you free. And then at the very end, they claim Abraham as being their father. And yet he cries out and says that Abraham rejoiced to see my day come. And when he saw it, he was glad. So Abraham was witness to this. That's interesting. Then they say something weird, which at a glance, you're like, what does that even mean? And I don't really even know either, but you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? Perhaps there's some sort of understanding that when you hit the age of 50, you'll see Abraham in the flesh because of, I don't know, your age and wisdom or something like that. I don't know. But the most important thing is what Jesus says here, is he declares exactly who he is. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. He declared himself to be God, to show that he has an eternal existence. Now, not just because he's a man, but that he is God. So he, quite literally, and that's why they picked up stones to throw at him, is he claimed to be Yahweh. And that really upset them, that he is a man who's saying that he is Yahweh. They don't understand that. Chapter 9 talks about a man who was born blind. And his disciples asked, and unfortunately we still have people today who think this way, how God works in its incorrect understanding. So they said, who sinned, the parents or the child, because he was born blind? They thought that if you had defects, or you have disabilities, or there was something just wrong with you in general, it's because you've done something to deserve that. That there was some sort of punishment, there was some sort of divine judgment done on a particular person. And because of their sin, this kid was born blind. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, it was not because this man sinned, nor his parents. It was all the sovereignty of God. And it was also so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So it was to glorify himself. God made this man blind to glorify himself. So if there's people out there today that have certain conditions or disabilities, they're still to glorify God in their state. It is all for his glory. There's a distinct difference in this miracle from the other ones where he cures blindness. Because in their case, they were once people of vision, and they lost their vision, and then he restored their vision. But in this case, vision never existed in this person. He never had it. So what he did was, by spitting into the clay and rubbing on his face, remember what we're made out of. We are made from the dust of the ground. We are made of the very clay that Jesus was manipulating. And then he rubbed it on his eyes, and he washed, and it became sight. That was an act of creation. 
That shows who he was in being God. Only God can create like that. So this was different from the other cures of blindness because this man never had vision. And now he does through an act of creation. And then you see kind of a humorous story to some degree when they bring this man in for questioning, saying, are you really blind? He's like, yeah, I was blind and this man healed me. Well, we don't believe you. Let's bring your parents in. So they brought the parents in. Is this your son? Yeah. Was he born blind? Yeah. Well, why isn't he blind anymore? We don't know. Ask him. He's of age. So at that point in the legal system, being an adult, the parents no longer have to vouch for you. But they're also doing it because they were afraid of the Jews and taking them out of the synagogue, meaning excommunicating them, causing them to be cast out from the religion altogether. Because of their son, they did not want to become pariahs of society. So that's why they played it safe. But this man still continued to defend himself. And he's like, I've already told you this. What else do you need to know? Do you want to become his disciples or something? And that really upset them. He's like, well, you know, this man is a sinner. We're disciples of Moses. We know that this man is a sinner. We don't know where he's from. And this random guy has some of the most profound spiritual understanding far beyond these Pharisees. Listen to what he says. How amazing this was that he said this. Well, here is an amazing thing, that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Remarkable, right? Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Boom. If he had a mic, he would certainly do a mic drop right there. He nailed it. He understood that God does not hear sinners. God listens to those who fear him and do his will. That is so true. And that's something we need to remember ourselves. And it has always been this way, that a man born blind has never been healed like this. And so if this man wasn't from God, he couldn't do any of this. So obviously, the conclusion to be reached is that this man is from God. But yet these Pharisees are so stubborn and so arrogant that they cannot see it. What do they tell him? They completely insult him. You were born entirely in sins, and you are teaching us? Again, they had the understanding that his blindness was due to sin. And so that's why they said that. And then how dare you teach us? We are the teachers. How dare you think you can teach us? So they don't listen to him. But then Jesus did not abandon this man. He knew exactly what he went through, and he went back to check on him. And in the process, he was able to confirm this man's faith and was glad to hear it, and he worshipped him. That's true submission to Christ. And then lastly, we have chapter 10, and this is where we have the next I am. I am the door of the sheep. Is he literally a door? No. But what he's saying is that he chooses 
his flock. The Lord chooses those who will believe in him and who belong to him. He is also the good shepherd, and he is the one that takes care of his sheep. But not only that, he says that he lays down his life for the sheep, and he quite literally is going to. And they listen to his voice and they follow him, just such as we are. We also have to remember what he also said is that no one comes to the Father unless the Lord draws him. That is predestination. That is election. We don't choose God. We will never in our natural state choose or accept God for who he is. We need divine intervention in there for that to happen. So none come to the Father, none enter into the sheepfold, except when the Lord draws them. But then he says something also that's very interesting as well, is that he says in verse 16, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. What is he talking about? He's talking about the Gentiles. He's saying that the Gentiles that believe in Christ will enter into the fold with the Jews that believe in Christ. So ultimately, out of both sides, they will come out of their midst, and they will come into God's family, into God's fold, if you will, and they will become Christians. Or there will be no distinction between Jew and Greek, male and female, slave and free. It's all the same. You are children of God at that point. And that's what he's referring to. And then we have to remember something that is very important. Your salvation is secure if you indeed truly have it. And nothing can take that away. Because like he says here at verse 28, I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So what he's saying is that if you are chosen by God to be saved, there is no way that you can lose your salvation. Not only is the indwelt Holy Spirit a pledge of that promise, but also if we were to think that there was something we can do to pry open God's hands, then we are claiming to be stronger than him. I unfortunately had that at one point where, in one of my Bible studies, there was a man who was in our midst who said that to me, and he believed it. He said, yes, we are firmly in God's hand. We cannot be snatched out of his hand, but we, in our sin, can pull open his fingers and slip ourselves out. That is a lie. That is false in every way. If you claim you can do that, then you claim to be stronger than God, or that you can wear God down, and that's not how it works. You are powerless before him. So we cannot think that. If no one can snatch out of God's hands, that means no one, absolutely no one, can do it. Satan can't, you can't, no one can. God will firmly keep you in his hand. And that is something we have to firmly believe. Last thing to mention, in the last portion of the chapter, between verses 31 
and 39, they were wanting to stone him. And he's like, why? What good works are you stoning me for? And he's like, no, we're not stoning you for good works. We are stoning you that you, being a man, claim to be God. And then he goes and explains that, okay, if you don't want to believe in me, that's fine. But believe in the works, because the works come from God. And if you don't believe me, at least believe God in what's going on, and then you will see me for who I truly am. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. We are one, meaning that I am a member of the Holy Trinity. I am God in the flesh, and you don't see it. But if, at the very least, believe the works that I am doing. The works that I'm doing are good. They're righteous. They're positive. Would Satan do any of that stuff? No. So why can't you see that everything I'm doing is pointing to God? And they just couldn't get past that. They just could not get past that. And so they continued to want to kill him. That's the situation that they were always in until the very end. And when Christ declared to them that they would be dying in their sins, he already knew that they would never repent. And unfortunately, that seems to be the case. With that, that's all that I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.